mouth, the brain side to the blind man. We down to the left side, we will survive. In this country, wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist, critical and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fire from his lips. Burn a safe driver. Welcome listeners to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all that I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. <clears throat> and then at TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see, see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the live stream on the TuneIn app, drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook and at Facebook search engine. Just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always hear interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's time for an awakening radio program with a fan page on Facebook. And time for an awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com. We'll take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And uh, interesting program planned for you this evening. Our guest activist, organizer, and International Tribunal Coordinated Committee Chair, of the Jihad Abdul Mumit will be with us this evening to kind of give us insights and assessments of the International Tribunal 
on human rights abuses against black, brown, and indigenous people that was held in New York City. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, 
where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 712 here on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. <clears throat> and before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellen. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. You know, same old, same old. You know, it's chill coming in. I ain't going to go through that. But um, I'm inspired for, about our um, conversation tonight, you know, uh, on a lot of levels, especially since it's a follow uh I think we agree it's kind of like a follow-up to our um, conversation with um, Brother Cam last week, you know, um, because it, it's just interesting that the whole thing of us being able to um, raise or why we should be engaging in trying to get HR 40 through, but also um, be developing our um, rationale of how we've been harmed. And, and it seems this tribunal could be another vehicle that helps us to do that. You know, um, and I'm glad that you mentioned it was kind of like a uh, natural progression uh, to reach out. Um, uh, a brother West from down in Atlanta kind of jumped the gun there when he, I mean, he must've read your mind, Richard, when he was saying that we should, we should do something about getting somebody on here to talk about it. No, yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's, yeah. You know, yeah. Brother West, like, that was definitely a reinforcement for that. Yeah, so we, um, and and uh, one of the uh, Encobra board members, uh, attorney Nkechi Taifa, was one of the chief people's attorneys, was the chief people's attorneys in on the case, and uh, I reached out to her, and she told me, she gave me the contact of the brother that put everything together. And we have him on the program tonight to give our audience an insight to what happened at the tribunal, I guess this evening, activist, organizer, and international tribunal coordinating committee chair, Brother Jihad Abdul Mumit is with us. The case of black, brown, and indigenous peoples charging human rights, abuses, and genocide against the United States. Brother Jihad, are you there? Yes, I am, <laughs> Brother Elliot. Thank you so much. Peace, everyone. I'm happy to have you with us on Time for an Awakening with myself and Brother Richard. Brother Richard, yes, indeed. Yeah, Brother Jihad, um, yeah, listen, we want to kind of start from the beginning. Um, you mm-hmm. were the uh, tribunal organizer and uh, the uh, committee chair. Uh, talk about the the genesis of putting things together. You know, uh, a lot of people from Malcolm uh, and others have been talking about this. Uh, it's been grassroots activists that has always been wanting to bring the case charging genocide against the United States. Talk about this coming together and, uh, and you know, give our listening audience an insight on uh, you putting this thing together. I know it was a lot of work, brother. Oh, yes, indeed it was. So 
always beginning in the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful, and assalamu alaikum to everyone. Um, well, I'm from New Jersey. I, I joined the, um, I'm 67 now. I joined the Black Panther Party uh, when I was 16 and, and Plainfield, New Jersey. So Jersey and says listening or even the Philly probably familiar with Plainfield right outside of North New Jersey there. We had a, a very strong uh, Panther chapter with a health clinic and built from the ground up, doctors and nurses volunteering to deal then with sickle cell anemia, selling the Panther papers, political education, classes and then just <clears throat> trying to clean the neighborhood up with the drugs and things of that nature. Uh, so that was my beginning some 50 years or so ago. Um, I um, basically went on the ground just a little about myself and joined the Black Liberation Army, uh, caught a 43-year sentence for bank expropriations and efforts amongst other things trying to build the, um, the whole movement of freedom land in New Africa the five states down south, which be Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and um, and uh, South Carolina. And so uh, I did 22 years in prison pretty much for that. And I came home in 2000. In 2006, I got into federal parole. In 2009, I joined the Jericho Movement, which was started in 1998 by Robert Herman Ferguson and Safra Bukhari, both of them are deceased now, and recently released political prisoner Jalil Mutakin. And it was Jalil Mutakin, uh, uh, maybe about three years ago, called for, amongst other things, because he was doing a lot of organizing from in prison for all the almost 50 years that he's been incarcerated. Uh, one of the things that he did, and most recent leading up to this tribunal, was the uh, calling for a coalition. That coalition was called in the spirit of Mandela and because it kind of like brought to the attention of the Mandela rules, which is in the national standard, the international standard of treatment of prisoners uh, throughout the world, actually. And so we started this coalition. Um, we did it uh, through Jericho and other organizations, um, the Northeast Political Prisoner Organization and other activists, primarily in New York. Uh, by the way, I live in Richmond, Virginia. I don't know if I say anything smart. I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> don't say nothing. It happens to the best of us, believe me. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Right? So, um, <clears throat> well, we started this coalition, and we was kind of trying to deal with bringing attention to political prisons because that's what the Jericho movement does and, and continues to do for us uh, 20, 20 uh, three or 24 years of existence now in campaigning for the release of, of freedom fighters that's been in prison, all political prisoners and all the different movements. And some of the activists up to the present day, water rights protectors and those that um, that are on that page. So, uh, and those that's been uh, politicized in prison, Imam Hassan that was involved with the uh, Ohio penitentiary riots. We have a lot of individuals now that we represent not only those from from back in the movements of the Black Liberation Movement times, anti-imperialists and American Indian movement, and mostly all the Puerto Rican nationalists are out right at the moment. So that's what we do. And when we say we represent them real briefly, and then I cut to the tribunal, is that uh, we campaign for their release legally. We uphold their names uh, through political education, sessions, seminars, rallies, demonstrations all across the United States. That's how, in fact, we remember names like Hojo Bomani and and uh, Malman Kabir 
and Kamal Siddiqui, the ones that we may not necessarily know because we more readily know Mumi Abu Jamal and Imam um, uh, Jamil Al-Amin, and those names, Matulu Shakur, resonate with us a lot. <clears throat> but there are many freedom fighters that are not heard of, and they probably would not be if it wasn't for the Jericho Movement and those other sister organizations that, that do the similar type of work. So we, we make sure that they have medical attention, third-party medical intervention when needed, particularly these freedom fighters are getting older. We give them commissary money. We pay for their family visits. We visit them ourselves, uh, letter-writing events, just to make sure that their names are uplifted and the legacy of their struggles and efforts do not go in vain. So back to the tribunal. So after uh, a while, um, it was myself. Brother yeah, Jihad, let me say this before you start talking about the tribunal because I want to break that mold. You know, earlier this week, um, a lot of our people running around and repeating the narrative uh, of these other people thanking people for their service for this imperialist government. I want to thank you for your service to our people and what you did and some of the other men that have gone on to the ancestors that you just mentioned. I want to thank you for your service. That's the service that I want to thank these men and women for. Not fighting for no imperialist government to oppress other people. I want to thank you again for your service. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. I appreciate that very much. Yes, indeed. And so, like you said, for all those sisters and brothers passed away, making sure that their legacy continues in terms of their ideas, you know, the lessons learned and the models that's been, that's been established for us to, to creatively continue to develop on the way on the way towards self-determination and our freedom but yes yeah, so um myself and a comrade Seiko Dinga uh who is our <laughs> on the boots of general I can tell you that on the ground general you know directly involved with the liberation of Asada Shakur as most people are familiar if you read the book and her writings and been following that our sister Asada in Cuba um and and a, and a fellow activist, uh, Matt Meyer, who's the um, he's the secretary general of the International Peace Research Association. So the three of us, we kind of uh, thought of an idea. Which actually, I pitched the idea to them of having a tribunal. And the purpose of this tribunal would not just be to prove what's already been proven, which you and I and Richard already know, which the listening audience already know about our oppression you know, and our exploitation and the violence that's reached upon us by police and mass incarceration and, you know, and now the uh, the fratricide in our own community as a result of the legacy of slavery. But um, to use something as an organizing tool to bring us together. So it wasn't just to corral the legalities of it and present it to the world again, which is very important to do again and again and tomorrow and the next week. Uh, we constantly need that lesson and that that narrative to const- to counteract the uh, false narrative of everything is uh, T.T. Keene here in a place called the United States of America, uh, and that there are political prisons. But beyond that, you know, to to like I said, to utilize this tribunal or the building of this tribunal as an organizing tool. So we salute, definitely salute the tribunals that went before, all the way back 70 years ago. With, Paul Robinson and William Patterson and W.E.B. Du Bois, all the efforts that they made in charging genocide. But we wanted to make sure that we don't do all of this work, all this important work, all this necessary work, take it to the United Nations, 
you know, present our findings, and then the United Nations do not respond. And then we're left with that legacy, which is still important, but we're just left with no response. So we said to ourselves, we're going to have to do this slightly different. We're going to have to build a movement around it. We just can't have a bunch of revolution, small group of revolutionaries in a room, lawyers in a room, put together a stellar document and charge genocide and find the government guilty. We're not going to just do that. We're going to use this as to organize and mobilize organizations and activists present day and form committees to build this tribunal. And that's what we did. And now as a result of that, my dear brother, uh, we have hundreds of people following us and dozens of organizations because it's the outcomes of the tribunal. Yes, we are going to take it to the United Nations. Yes, we are going to file suit into federal court. And I say that because it's not just a human rights violations, genocide on the international level. Believe it or not, brother, there's, 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 um, there's a code in, 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 in the United States uh, uh, federal code, uh, Title uh, 18 U.S.C. 1091, for one example, that coincides with the 1948 uh, Convention on the Prevention of Genocide. That's, that's even cute with this, just that we've not had any revolutionary organization and lawyers with the gumption, determination, and the organized support behind them to bring that into federal court. So, yes, we are taking it, as how Hajmalik El-Shabazz said, to the international level because it's a human rights violation. But we're going to caveat that with how you violated our civil rights also and by your own code. And this will fuel uh, initiatives such as H.R. 40 and any other initiatives for reparation, you know, um, but with people behind it. Because right now we don't have the teeth behind the things that we're doing. And the teeth means that the educated numbers of people, the masses of people, just to use that phrase, behind us. And that has fallen off because um, of the demise of our movements, um, the killing of our freedom fighters, the incarcerating of our freedom fighters, um, have, you know, the, the, the victory of capitalism in our psychic minds is deteriorating all around us but we have uh, apolitical masses of people still chasing the carrot, living for the weekend, as the OJ said, and the few that benefit not realizing that we're benefiting over the backdrop of hundreds of years of slavery and exploitation and perilous exploitation of people around the world. So, and nobody wants to give up their flushing toilets and running water that we enjoy in the United States. I don't, you don't. But at the same time, we have to recognize that, as Malcolm said, you know, how do we get so rich? How does this country get so rich? We made it rich. And we all benefit, comparatively speaking, to Syria and places in Africa and places like this, Palestine. Yeah, we do. You know, but now what are we going to do to, to get rid of this yoke of colonialism? So not getting too far from the explanation and, and talking so fast, I had five cups of coffee today, but... Um, just making it clear that this tribunal did find the United States guilty of genocide, not just human rights abuses, not just human rights abuses, because that word is kind of soft and unsightly. Human rights abuses, okay, yeah, that happens all over the world. But it's not over, over the world, all over the world every day that you're going to find an entity, let alone the United States government, guilty of genocide, because when you say genocide, that puts you in the same category of the likes of Adolf Hitler. And there it is. And so there we are. And that's where we are right now. And uh, I know you have some, some questions to refocus me, but, you know, the, it's an organizing tool. The United States was found guilty on October 25th by the International Panel of Jurists 
in his tribunal, which, by the way, was held at the old Audubon, Malcolm X Betty Shabazz Education and Cultural Center in New York, where Malcolm was assassinated. We picked up that baton right there where he was killed and had this tribunal right there where he was assassinated on that floor in that ballroom and had this tribunal. We picked up the legacy of Al-Hazm Miguel Shabazz and we're holding that baton high in the air. Now we, the people, we, the masses of people, are going to have to march forward with these outcomes to make sure that we can benefit from the uh, results of this tribunal. So that, 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 that's it in the, in the breath. Uh, Brother Jihad, uh, I noticed in the proceedings you had uh, one, two, three, uh, five different points that you were kind of focusing in on. Before I get to some of those points, uh, I want Richard to jump in here because uh, okay. I know he had some things he wanted to kind of introduce. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, and, and first, um, again, thank you, Brother Jihad, um, you know, from the bottom of our spiritual heart. But I wanted to first get that um, that code that you mentioned, 18 U.S.C. T- uh, 1091. Is that what you, um, the U.S. Um, federal code? Yes. Is, that mm-hmm. the full t- is that the full ter- ter- term of the code? <clears throat> yes, it is. The code on genocide, actually. Code on genocide. genocide is a crime in the United States. Now, who in the world got charged with that? Well, guess what? The United States government just got charged with that. Mm-hmm. And so even though that's not in a, in a formal legal judicial setting in the United States courts, Y-E-T, yet, it is definitely heading there. You know, the tribunal was not an adversarial process. It was a legal-slash-political process in a people's venue to assemble, establish, and codify the facts. And as an educational process for the world to see, for our sisters and brothers in our communities to see, for our grandmothers and parents and children to see, for our co-workers to see in the United States. So, so um, yes, to answer your question, yeah, 18 U.S.C. 1091. But we had, we felt that we had to do that, you know, so that now we could better explain to apolitical people, even our own family members, who are not at the activist table with us doing the work in the communities because uh, they don't quite understand. They support you as a loved one, but they can go on with their shopping and their work and trying to make the bills. They're not really there. So we're really trying to make it plain, as the TV program used to be. You'll know, we make it plain, uh, re-explain what's already been explained, prove what's already been proven, uh, and, and to be able to set it up on a stage where everybody can see the facts to take away some of the militant, which is very hard to do, but take away some of the militant language, you know, that we can get into real nitty gritty about the government. I can just elevate my voice a little bit and you'll definitely feel the Black Panther in me, but just try to be able to um, uh, talk in a, and I'm just being kind of cynical here in a level-headed way, you know, present the facts, take some of the emotion out and we have a right to be emotional. We have a right to have self-righteous indignation, but to be able to explain it uh, in a way that everybody can say, you know, dang, on, man, you know, to make it very clear for the people. That was, that was the importance of the tribunal. I said, well, this, you have no legal jurisdiction. Not yet. Not yet. Hold up. It's a process, and we're involved in that process. Somebody, a detractor, may say, well, that doesn't have no legal standing. I say, not, neither does a rally on the street corner, brother. You know, your life doesn't have a legal standing, Mr. Three-fifths of a man. That would be my response to that. But we're getting there. We're getting there. And it's a, it's a very strategic process that really that we're rolling out, organizing and mobilizing people. So as we, we approach each step in this process, that uh, we'll have more and more and more numbers behind us. 
quality over quantity, but quantity not to be uh, negated because we need the people, the masses of people to understand what is going to take the movement out of the si our organizational silos that we're functioning in to be able to reach a broader section of, section of the people because the real challenge is how can revolutionaries, how can freedom fighters, how can real bona fide activists be able to educate their neighbors and their own families beyond the Democrat and Republican Party uh, dynamic. And so that's what we're doing, and, and we're, we're meeting with success each and every day. And, and there I, are five categories. Yes, you, we can get into that. Yeah, and, and, and I, I just wanted to, before passing it to Elliot, and to go through those categories. Um, one thing, I, you know, I think that um, I have to say, um, you know, I've been working to do the, to, you said that this, the tribunal um, is to be utilized as an organizing tool. And I'm hoping that the Time for Awakening audience who is um, listening to us, um, not with just with their ears, but with their hearts, um, recognize that, that that organizing tool is being a part of that political, that we must take an active part in this political organization, political education by utilizing this tribunal. Uh, I assume that, can I assume effectively that, that that is something that you would like us who are really believing that this is the way to go to deal with our grievance, to be able to support um, by utilizing this effort of the tribunal and this organizing tool to do the political, use it as the political education um, mechanism, even if it's just three of us in our, in our houses, it, would that be a fair assessment? You, Richard, you said it better than me, brother. You said it everything. I, I did everything you said a thousand percent. Because one of the outcomes, the most profound outcome, is not necessarily just taking it into court that will help give cannon fodder and fuel and energy to H.R. 40 and any and all other initiatives calling for reparations, some I know about, some I may not even know about. You know, it will give energy to all those organizations in different communities from the south to the north and the west to the east that are doing this work for them to utilize the facts as we codified it in this indictment and this, and this verdict that we have. To, to, to bolster their own efforts, that's there. Okay, also taking it to the United Nations and making it clear to the world because the jury, the jurists consisted, there were nine individuals uh, and many of them from other countries. So now for once we had the sublime opportunity to have the world looking at, through the eyes of the jurists, um, what, what, um, uh, what, we, what we experienced as black, brown, and indigenous people. You know, what do you mean by by genocide? So we didn't have our own, um, uh, for better lack of a better way of putting it, we didn't have as jurists our own uh, national community revolutionaries that we may know of. I'm not going to mention anybody's name. That's why those names are not there. And, you know, the ones that, that really resonate headlines throughout movements throughout up until this time, not mentioning anybody's name, but what we did was we, 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 we solicited the, the jury pool from activists from other countries. And we were very, we tried to be as objective as we can. They're not our bedfellows. They're not our cronies. They're not our friends. They're not people that you can look at and say, well, I'll figure that. You know, they know each other. You know, no, no, no. We had to prove our case to them too. We had to prove our, you know, the chief, uh, uh, Madeline Moonsami was from South Africa. She was the head uh, jurist. Um, the deputy jurist was from Puerto Rico, uh, uh, sister Wilma Calazo, um, the, the one person from the United States was Dr. Vicky Casanova Willis, Stan Willis, 
attorney Stan Willis' wife. Uh, she was uh, the third jurist. It was uh, Chakoli from Eritrea. Uh, there was a sister Fabre, uh, Shirley Fabre from Haiti. You know, we had France Fanon's uh, uh, daughter there, uh, Merle uh, Mendes uh, uh, Fanon from France. All right. We have Dr. Alexander Hinton. He was from he was from the United States, and we had uh, 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 one from the uh, indigenous people. Um, uh, Brian Whedon, and then we had a sister from India herself, Nepron, you, know, you know, Sister Bina, we call, we call her Bina, uh, Nepron. So you see that we had people, the eyes of the world were watching us prove the case, and now the eyes of the world, through their eyes, this is amplified. We talk about taking something to the, 90, to the, uh, to the international stage, as Malcolm said, well, we did that. We did that. We just didn't do it. Well, we didn't even do it through the U.S. yet. We haven't even went that route yet. We did it through the jurists, uh, the eyes of the jurists in there, and they came back with a verdict that's very explanatory, and they're coming out with an even more comprehensive verdict by the end of the year that's going to be published and codified, and hopefully we'll be able to put it in every university in the United States, every college in the United States. You know, uh, the people can incorporate it. You know, damn what they say about critical race theory. We're getting ready to blow these these white supremacists off the map with that nonsense. You know, we're going to have, we're not even going to spend time with that. We're going to come so strong, hopefully, by the grace of Allah, we're going to come so strong in a year or so with this. You know, all that stuff where we can't teach critical, they even got a name for it that's going to just put it in another category and people can academicize and intellectualize and masturbate on TV about whether or not we, we're going to blow by all that because I'm not even interested in their conversation no more because as Jalil Muthakin said, we are, we are our own liberators. I myself, I am so tired of protesting, you know, and having rallies for better health care and with asking Congress and the Senate, the Democrats, Republicans to do this for us. If we are our own liberators, we better start marching our own beat, coming up with our own policies and, and, and not can we come up with a health care policy? Or are we just gonna try to ask some some racists in Congress to do it for us and hope that it benefits us? Where's our acumen? Where's our intelligence? Where's 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 our experience? You know, are we, are these, these, these racist supremacists that were the founding fathers that came up with this document called the United States Constitution that the whole world salivates over, that we know that wasn't even for us in the first place? You know, are they smarter than us, rapists and slaveholders? Can we come up with anything? This is the test for this type of initiative. We are our own liberators. So are we going to bust out of our own silo and just talking about our black power stuff and reaching 20 people and satisfied with that and making it seem like it's more because of Facebook, but it really isn't nobody standing there except you? I mean, this is real talk. So what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? So this, this, this initiative is not asked. We're talking about building a people's senate, a people's senate. And we use the word senate. So it can resonate in the psychic and minds of the people, our sisters and brothers, our mothers and fathers. It can resonate in the same way when you talk about the United States Senate, when you talk about the House of Representatives in Congress. Well, we're talking about building our own Senate, not a third party to muddle in the, in the murk and mire yet uh, of your electoral politics. We'll get to that in a minute. We're going to talk about building a Senate representation across all five, all 50 states, you know, black, brown, and indigenous people, and what is that going to look like? The question is, can we do that? Or are we always going to be in the page of protesting and begging the slave master to treat us better and tell the overseer police not to whip and castrate and kill us so much? 
or we're going to take the destiny slowly but surely, strategically and creatively, you know, to be able to really build our own self-determination. That's the question. And if we're not going to do that, if we can't do that, then, you know, 50 years from now, we'll be having another tribunal charging the same thing because you can't keep doing the same thing, expecting for a change to happen. So this is a call for all revolutionaries, all black nationalists, all Muslims, all, all dedicated Christians, you know, and Jew, whoever you are, anarchists, you know, to be able to say, okay, well, I'm not going to abandon my own program. If you think it's all that in the bag of chips, then you keep doing that. We're not saying abort your program. We're saying mash down and get more real with it, you know, but at the same time, can you walk in true bubblegum at the same time? Can you help build this movement while you continue on with what your mission statement is? which we advocate that you do, and we hope that you do. We're not asking you to leave anything that you're already doing. Keep doing it and, and, and build upon it, you know, 10 times even more. But can we build this so that we can really say the masses of people, who are the masses of people? 40 people, 400 people, 4,000 people, because numbers do matter. When we say demand the freedom of movement, we Abdul Jamal or Dr. Matula Zakur or, or uh, Imam Jamil Alameen, we say we use the word D E M A N D, and who the hell is listening to that? We demand the release. You ain't demanding nothing. There ain't nobody there. We gotta quit playing ourselves. So we have to keep demanding, keep demanding. But at the same time, we're gonna have to start building a long range projected. Not when I say long range, that determines on our on the uh, idiosyncrasies of the movement itself. We say long range, meaning more than the next, longer than the time for the next rally on the next street corner. We're talking about a long-range projected critical thinking, visionary uh, strategy to empower ourselves so that we can be our own liberators. This is not a black power movement. We're talking about all poor and oppressed working class people. So we have to really, uh, and myself included, and I'll shut up in a minute for the next question, but as a black panther, as a Muslim, I had to think to myself, okay, look, what am I? What am I willing to um, not compromise? I'm not asking anybody to compromise any principles that they live by. As I'm not as a Muslim, but how can we strategically really, you know, talk about really working this out together? How can we be creative enough? Like you know, if you are if you're a martial artist, you're, you're a red belt, you're a tested black belt. You know, what lesson is there to learn now if you think you're all of that to move forward when your dojo only has five students left? I mean, what are you going to do? Can you can you humble yourself? Can we humble ourselves to say, man, you know what? We're going to have to really start working together on a different level. Wow. On a different level. I mean, I can feel really good. I can brother. If you allow me to, which I'm definitely not, I can go off on a Black Panther tyrant on this phone that will send you straight back to 1968. And I can say, man, yeah, he really blew that program out, and that'll be it. There's nothing behind it. Surely I'm not youngsters. I got a son that's 18 years old. He's not following that. In my own house. They brothers on the hood, but they loaded and strapped. They're going to shoot each other? How am I going to reach this man? One thing, my own son. One thing that I, um, you know, um, wanted to follow up in relationship to what, what you're saying and, and as it relates to an organizing tool in political education is that the, 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 the since this tribunal was organized, I think that it's important for us to understand because I really believe, and I'm glad that you, y'all did it, y'all did it, and you know, and for the reason you did it, that tribunals couldn't occur 
on local level because we have a lot of cases. And this mm-hmm. as a political education tool, if we were doing tribunals, then we would be making cases from a local level um, of what kind of harm is being done and, and making the same kind of documentation that would, would, would support the movement in an international arena because we're, we're, we're doing, but my, my question comes as an organizer and, and helping us, you know, for the time for waking orders, when you say tribunal, um, what does that really consist of? I mean, can, is it possible to walk us through like what makes up a tribunal for those of us that don't understand the mechanics that goes into um, having a, this, this activity uh, occur? That's a very good question, brother. That's a very good question. And I wonder how many people have not asked that but thought that. And I'd be very glad to answer that question. So uh, a, a, a tribunal is, is like, um, it's, it's a form of a legal proceeding to adjudicate a matter be, between two contending parties or issues like that to bring about some type of resolve. And there, and it takes on a lot of, well, not a lot, it takes on different complexions. You know, um, you can bring, uh, there's been tribunals in the past, I think the Klan and some black activists, uh, the state now. Um, many different things can happen here. You can bring contending parties together, you know, without going into the, uh, the jurisdiction of the state, the federal or state courts of that nature, and communities can resolve issues themselves. You can do as we did here. We can set up a, uh, some type of uh, a legal uh, format where we present legal evidence. It's almost like a grand jury. Somebody said, well, there's no con- <laughs> Okay, let me just finish this point. Then I got some very, very, very serious kind of testing to say. Um, uh, so you, or you can have, a, 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 you can set a venue up in a, in a situation where you can just present facts to be utilized, corral the facts, get the information, get it straight, vet it out, question it, and have people look at it and come up with some type of decision to be able to take to another other venue in on in the trajectory of getting some type of resolution. So again, very clearly, tribunals take on several different complexions and formats, you know, but they are local, they are people initiated. There are people initiated to resolve a problem or issue or condition in their area or their community or what have you. So this tribunal, you know, we 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 had a sister in Kichi Taifa, who you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, she was the chief. Uh, she's a black woman, African American sister. Um, she was the lead uh, uh, chief attorney in this. She didn't like to be called prosecutor, even though I liked it because I wanted the United States government to know that you're being prosecuted. Uh, or will be anyway. But um, so there you go. She's our chief people's attorney. We had uh, attorney uh, Justin Stanford and Bill Keith uh, Wilkinson of the H- Howard University School of Law, Law and their students uh, work on the, in the indictment. That's who did the lion's share of the indictment. We also had attorneys uh, in the very beginning, Eileen Weitzman and King Downey. King Downey, on WBI, sometimes you may know the name. He's been active in the community for a very, very, very long time that did the initial draft. So we had a 90-some-odd page indictment. You know, we vetted out the facts. We got the condition, the, the uh, facts support different violations 
all the way from dealing with the climate, the health disparities, from the EPA said this, all showing all these violations and how they impacted black, brown, and indigenous people disproportionately and how that's by design. It is intended. It's always been the case. It's systemic. It's historical. And we proved all this. The dealing with police killings was much easier case because you see that all the time. Nevertheless, we did that. Mass incarcerations, we crunched the numbers. Everybody knows we're disproportionately in those prisons. Everybody knows that once again, with Michelle Alexander's book already up to now, we crunched the numbers again. Uh, we're political prisoners. We're always presenting that case, the reality of political prisons. And it was our right, is our right by international law to fight for our freedom. So those even, it's not just a matter of sisters and brothers that's been wrongfully accused under the Cal Intelligence Program as such. We all know about that. We just saw the Fred Hampton film and we've been, all this information has been slowly, slowly seeping out. But what about those freedom fighters such as myself that picked up a weapon in our hand and we went for hours? You know, to try to establish, you know, our freedom to fight against police brutality and, and, you know, put up that defense in our community. All right. The Black Liberation Army. All right. So and under an international law, we have a right to fight for our freedom. And you can't uh, armchair analyze that in the comfort of your living room, you know, 50 years later. So why did y'all do that? You know, so we have a right to. And guess what? As a side note, uh, uh, Richard and Elliot, as a side note, in my as far as I am concerned, and this is purely a side note, if there was no international law to tell me that I have to fight against somebody that's trying to lynch and drown and castrate my people, I wouldn't care less. There's a religious law that says that, you know, and so um, we have a right to defend ourselves. But nevertheless, there is international law that supports clearly that. I don't need some European law to tell me, you know, how, what, and where to, to get this man's boot off my neck at all. But just so happened, once again, to clarify, there are laws that just, that uh, legitimizes for those people that need that, that legitimization of how we fight and struggle for our freedom. I, myself, and my comrades, we didn't need that law at all, you know. But um, so that's what a tribunal is. And now we're going to, so we had a very legal proceeding. And it, here's the sarcastic comment I was going to make. I had one person tell me, well, there's no adversarial component. Um, so what, what, what did you really prove? I looked at this man like he's crazy. I said, every time you go in front of the grand jury and get you behind indicted, there's no adversarial component. And they got you going to court facing a life sentence, 10, 15, 20 years in prison. You talk about adversarial uh, process. When you go to court on the natural, you'd be lucky that there is an adversarial component there with your wishy-washy lawyer in front of you. Know how many sisters and brothers have been railroaded for decades, and you're going to tell me? You're going to critique me talking about there's no adversarial component. Anytime you went to court, there's no adversarial component. You'd be lucky there is. Just look at the trials that's going on now. It's all a facade. And you, if you think racism is not a, embedded in the judicial process, any black person that says that, well, they, I already know what side of the, you're on the side of the fence. And Malcolm says that's blocking our road to freedom. You're the ones, the ignorant ones. You're the cannon fire for white races to use to, de to, uh, de uh, de 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 delegitimize our struggle and undermine our efforts toward freedom. You've got some crumbs off the table. Here you are, you and your BA, which you know is not your bachelor's, but it's your black ass. You know, you're, you're looking at me, you know, querying me about my efforts to free us, and you're questioning that and won't question a system that's historically and systemically been killing black people. I mean, how much do you need? This look up any John Hope Franklin's from Slavery to Freedom, Lerone Bennett's um, 
read every history book, old and new, and all the facts are there. You are, the United States government is guilty of genocide. We had a form to codify and straighten out these facts to present to the world, which we are going to do. That's what a tribunal did for us, establishing the venue for us to lay out some facts, look at that, have it observed and, and, and commented and judged by a, a neutral party. Whether or not there's an adversarial component, that doesn't determine whether or not it's a tribunal or not. All right, that's what I said, it has different complexions. That's what we did. Assemble all the facts, supported it by law. It's a 90-some-odd page indictment, supported by law and policy violations. Every last thing that we claim is supported by law. And now we're ready to take that into, just like the grand jury found you uh, and brought a true bill against you, brother man, for your robbery, your drug selling, falsely accused you for your carjacking, for your, your cashing a false check, for your killing another black person. Just like they brought that indictment against you, that was done at a grand jury. That grand jury, uh, uh, you, there was nobody, there's no attorney in the room except you, if you're lucky to be there yourself. So don't tell me about there not being an adversarial comp thing, because you might get backhand if I, can, if I can't control myself. But because um, I don't want to hear those detractions there. But we're ready to address them as they come. No, there's not an adversarial process yet. There will be when we take it in the court on the 18 U.S.C. 1091. When we take it up there to the United Nations Human Rights Council in violation of the 1948 Convention Against the Prevention of Genocide, the United States is guilty of all, every last one of those points. And you didn't need us to prove it there, but we did it anyway for those of us that, you know, still trying to scratch the layers of ignorance off of our brain and been so whitewashed in these schools that we can't see it called a spade a spade and you don't realize that this is systemic. And so somebody said, and then I'll shut up again. Somebody says, well, we made progress. Let's, that's all in the past, brother. Several things here. So once again, referring to our house, make us advise, you stick a knife in somebody's back 12 inches and pull it out six. You can call it progress if you want, but I think you're still going to die, all right? Uh, but even, uh, even beside that, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Yes, things are not quite the same, but then again, they are the same because it's systemic. And the unfortunate thing about it, Elliot and Richard, is that, uh, as you know, it's become so normalized. Every once in a while, there's a Breonna Taylor that quirks out, catching me out on the streets. But you know what happens every day. There's glass ceilings, there's marginalization, these nickels and dimes, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poor. All this is all the time happening, lack of access to health care. You know, the trauma that we experience the killing of, our, of each other in our community, if you can't connect the dots, then we're going to help you connect those dots. That's why we had the tribunal. And we have an out strategy, too. We're going to build a people's senate. The third Saturday every month, um, we'll be having um, a general meeting. On, uh, we have a list of almost 1,000 people now that's routinely there. We have all kinds of committees building uh, this uh, marching toward this people's senate initiative. We're going to be calling for which we will be having regional people's assemblies throughout the United States throughout 2022, you know, and, and just like con constitutional conventions, if you want to call it that. But we will be doing this. And, we, and, and this is so important. While we're talking about this, and somebody's saying, well, I don't know about this, guess what? The Donald Trumpers and those white supremacists that bum rushed their capital and, on January 6th, you're going to turn around three or four, four months from now and they're already going to done. They're going to have their own Senate because they're going to trash that uh, Republican Party. And you're going to be sitting there scratching your head 
you know, playing the numbers and pick six and all that other stupid stuff, you know, and partying for the weekend, they're going to march out with another agenda because they're not going to let the so-called progress that they think is taken away from their white supremacist leadership, they're not going to have it. And, and, and so the liberals in society and the white racist society, when they fight and argue, is the old African problem. When two horses fight, the grass underneath gets trampled. And you and I, your grandmother, your mother, your parents, your sisters, your siblings, your aunts, your uncles, we're the grass, and we're going to stand to get trampled if we don't come up with another type of organizing other than what we've been doing. And that's what this is all about. We're in conversation with activist organizer and International Tribunal Coordinating Committee Chair, Brother Jihad Abdul-Mumit, of the International Tribunal on Human Rights Abuses Against Black, Brown, and Indigenous Peoples, uh, charging genocide, which held in New York in uh, late October. Uh, Brother Jihad, a uh, question, um, because I noticed that on the um, the panel of jurors and also the uh, the committee uh, panel to assist the jurors were, as you said, people from all over the world. Uh, and some of the people I noticed uh, in their titles, <clears throat> they were uh, either members of UN committees or maybe some of them was active UN, in, in UN committees. It, it, my question is this. The, the UN envoy that was sent here to the United States to investigate racism and human rights, have the group been in contact with them or have they been in contact with you, being a, a lot of the members on the jury and to assist the jurors were members of the UN? Uh, yes, they have been. They have so been. That, that, yes. So we. So yes, to answer your question, the only reason why it has not been formally taken to the United Nations as a formal document yet, because what you have and what um, the public knows so far is what is called a summary verdict, and it's just a couple of paragraphs explaining um, why uh, the panel of jurists has found the United States guilty of genocide. What? But there's, there's coming out by the end of the year much more comprehensive. So those conduits, those individuals that you spoke about um, that is connected with the United Nations, they are already activated to help facilitate our approach to the United Nations. But we want to make sure that when that happens, that we have a full document, that we have gone just a little further with our organizing so that they even they would know that this is not just uh, a handful of people, you know, in Kichi Taisa, a couple of lawyers and a couple of act, uh, activists, myself perhaps, you know, presenting this. And thank you very much. And as a Photoshop, uh, uh, but uh, actually there is a movement that's identifiable, that's recognizable, and, and they have to acknowledge that behind it also. So that's yeah. If I if I if I am answering your question, no. yes, we have all those conduits into the United Nations now. Okay. No, the reason I was asking that, and uh, me and Richard talk about this all the time on the program, mm -hmm. is that mm -hmm. the the forces that be, the powers that be, the people that we've been has been historical enemies of black folks in this country. Watch us. They monitor what we're doing. Uh, they try to get out in front of any movements or things that they consider a problem to them so they can control the narrative. Now, the reason I'm asking this is because in July, according to a published report, the United States 
invited the UN's racism and human rights envoys to visit. Mm -hmm. Now, let me read a couple of paragraphs here. Oh, yeah. The mm -hmm. State Department announced on Tuesday, and this was in July 6th, the State Department announced on Tuesday that the administration would issue a standing invitation to all U.N. envoys known as special rapporteurs who compile information on race, discrimination, and report back to the world body. Secretary of State Anthony Bilkin also welcomed the adoption of a resolution by the Geneva-based U.N. Human Rights Council to address racism directed at Africans and people of African descent. In a statement, Bilkin said, great nations such as ours do not hide from their shortcomings. They acknowledge them openly and strive to improve with transparency. Now, to talk about the genocide against black people, and you have indigenous folks here, people here involved in this, to categorize that as shortcomings. See, that, that's what I'm talking about, about them trying to get out front invite the people to the White House to talk with them and then give some watered-down statement about they have shortcomings. Richard, we talked about this before. Now, uh, Brother Jihad said that they've been in contact with, with these envoys from the U.N. Uh, if, you, if you look at some of the jurists and the jury advisors, Richard, they're, they're involved in the U.N., but the United States reaches out to this, these envoys to give some watered-down message about what they're trying to do, according to this published report of racism directed at Africans and people of African descent. <laughs> Richard, before I get Brother Jihad to comment on that, do you see, I mean, you, you see what they're trying to do here. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's important for us to see, um, as exactly. you say, the, the, the getting out in front. And which means that it's important for us to see what Brother Jihad and others are, are doing and why we have to give it our utmost urgency of support in order to build. And, and I do hear you, Brother Jihad. So this mm -hmm. is like a paper tiger kind of thing, that we have real people, not no few numbers, but real numbers that are in alignment with this. Now, no, but Richard, I don't want to cut you. And I oh, agree no. wholeheartedly what you're saying, because if they thought that this was just a couple of people, uh, what they consider making noise or rebel rousing, you think that they would be putting the attention to this that they have? They know that anything that will awaken our people is dangerous to them. So they got to control the narrative. I I'm just throwing that out there because they're reacting to this. Now, they haven't sent any uh, uh, people to meet from this government to meet with the, the folks here that's been organizing, they jump out in front of the world panel that's coming here to give them some type of uh, a welcoming and watered-down version of what's going on here. Now, you got yeah. people here that's a member. This Linda Thomas Greenfield, black woman, is a U.N. representative, the U.S. representative to the U.N. I'm curious, uh, uh, Brother Jihad, did she, has she or her office reached out to uh, the men and women involved? Not yet. No, okay. I'm, I'll take the word yet out. No, no. Not. Susan Rice, who's the, uh, 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 what is she, Richard? The, um, uh, Don. Uh, she's the domestic policy 
the White House uh, 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 coordinator of domestic policy. Has she reached out? And I already know the answer. I'm just being facetious. No, of course, right. To make it plain, no, no, she has not. Yeah, but uh, but they're reaching out to international representatives to come to the right. White House to tell them what they're doing in reference to black folks. But to the black folks right. here that's putting together these the tribunal, they haven't reached out to them at all. And you got blacks sitting up there in so-called positions of power with black faces that don't even acknowledge what's going on among their people. I'm just throwing yeah. that out there so our people can kind of see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, Elliot, you, uh, you're more than right. And I think you, both of y'all have said it uh, in your conversation with each other about this. And they jump out front to control the narrative because they do have um, the media, mass media, that is, at their disposal and their behest. They do have the microphone where they can one one uh segment on the 6:30 news can 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 reach millions of people where here we are just trying to use our facebook and social media accounts and our local media that can um that will report on these type of things we do have you know our our blog posts you know blog talk radio podcasts and our amy goodman's democracy now all these networks and media yourself wbai pacifica radio so we're growing, uh, and but they haven't reached out. It's just like when they talk about these issues on TV, uh, on different programs, they may invite, and this is no slight to any sister brother that's wrote a book, believe me, I, I am not saying it for this reason. So whoever is listening, don't, do not take it as an offense. I love and support, well, universal love and support what you're doing. Sister and brothers that have written books, they may have them on and and talk about the issues that's in the book that they wrote about our condition, which is real. I'm not mentioning anybody name on purpose. Um, and that's important, but they're not going to invite somebody that's the head of a movement that's involved in a movement. They'll talk a lone wolf talking head. You know, uh, it's a big difference in talking to a professor or somebody that's written a book, you know, that got some alphabets behind their name or something like that. It's a big difference in talking to one of us that's boots on the ground organizing you know, uh, that have put in our work as, as our, as our, as our street formations would say, you know, you put your work in, so to speak, but using that vernacular that have their, their sleeves rolled up and in touch with the people, um, that's not looking for any, uh, notoriety or attention. You know, they're not looking for those nothing to lose people, as they say in the stupid set by the door, you sleep on the floor, you can't fall out of bed. They're not looking for those people to talk because those people, those of us, you know, um, you know, we're, we're organizers. So we're not just talking academically about an issue. And then after that segment is over, you can go to another part of your program. You know, this is connected with people moving. And when you talk about a people center, that's a big doggone deal. And, um, they see it coming, you know, and, and, um, Beating, controlling the narrative is what they always done. And people, that's why, we, once again, that's why we had the tribunal to try to begin to undermine and circumvent that narrative that they're always saying so that our family members, our community can look and see what facts we've proven, proven what's already been proven. And now it's up to date. It's 2021-ish. It's uh, the whole thing. Just like Mr. Sister Michelle Alexander, I mentioned her name a couple of times. 
in writing the new Jim Crow. She she pointed out and codified and brought together a bunch of things that has been written and spazzed out all over the place, but we already know to be true. But look how many people have woke up. But because it's not necessarily attached to any movement, you take this information and you really don't go anywhere about it, you know? There has to be organized and and I say for my activist sisters and brothers that are out there commenting and this and that, even you yourself have to evaluate. And I say this for my own self, but I'm but I'm squared away. You have to become part of some formation. This lone wolf thing and you had in commentary and got so much to say. Nah man. Nah man. It's it's, it's, it's what you clocking in right now though. We gotta be a part of things and make it work. We gotta work with each other, be patient, listen to what each other is saying, learn from our young folks, learn from our sisters, make sure that they're present in the room, no patriarchy, no big show, no big eyes, no celebrities. We don't need none of that. We don't need none. The unique thing about this is that what you have here in the room as the core organizers so far, and I know it's gonna reach out to many more people as we grow, which it will be, but in the beginning, you're talking about Panthers. You're talking about BLA members. You know, uh, Jalil Muta King, Sekou Dinger, and myself are members of the Black Liberation Army. Now, you going to invite us on your program, Mr. NBC, Mr. CNN? CNN, you going to invite one of us on there? You, gonna, you Are you going to invite a Black Liberation Army member that might have been charged with homicide or bank robbery on your program? You going to legitimize that? You going to give us a mic? Your producer going to let that happen? You see where I'm coming from? So, um, but we're going to get there, though. That's why we need a movement to, because uh, what we have to say, even though some of the wording may be the same as anybody else in, in describing our, our condition of oppression and exploitation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is who's saying it and what we're connected to can make a difference. We're not just talking and then go back home and ain't nothing happening. That's a big difference. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, you know, but I'm going to do this, Richard, and, and Brother Jihad. Before we go to break, I want to play, because I, I just mentioned how the United States tried to get out in front of these U.N. Uh, representatives coming here, the envoy on racism and human rights violations, and invited them to the White House to talk and to schmooze them, I assume. Uh, you just heard Brother Jihad say that they have, meet, have been meeting with this, these UN envoys. So Bilkin comes out with a statement about, uh, well, we recognize some shortcomings. But Bilkin is not alone because at the NAN convention, uh, Linda Thomas Greenfield, who is the U.S. representative to the UN, made a statement at the NAN convention. I want you to listen to her statement. Now, she's not a politician. She didn't run for office. She was appointed to a political position. But believe me, she's just as skillful as any of these other folks, any of her, any of her European teachers. She's just as skillful to use these words as any of them. She learned her lessons well. Listen to what she says at the Snand Convention, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, you can jump involved, get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Let me play this clip here of her at the Nan Convention this year. And 
you can get an idea of what I'm talking about if I can find it. Uh, boy, I might have to go to break and then find it when I come back. Let me see here. I think I got it here. Uh, yeah, this is it. Listen to what she says, listening audience. Our intention to seek election to that body so that we can advance our most cherished democratic values around the globe. Of course, when we raise issues of equity and justice at the global scale, we have to approach them with humility. We have to acknowledge that we are an imperfect union and have been since the beginning. And every day we strive to make ourselves more perfect and more just. I tried to do this recently in the U.N. General Assembly when I spoke on the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. That day and commemoration was personal for me. So I told the U.N. some personal stories. I told them how my great-grandmother, Mary Thomas, born in 1865, was the child of a slave just three generations back from me. I grew up in the segregated South, I was bused to a segregated school. On weekends, the Klan burned crosses on lawns in our neighborhood. I shared these stories and others to acknowledge on the international stage that I have personally experienced one of America's greatest imperfections. I've seen for myself how the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. But I also shared these stories to offer up an insight, a simple truth I've learned over the years. Racism is not the problem of the person who experiences it. Those of us who experience racism cannot and should not internalize it, despite the impact it can have on our everyday lives. <laughs> racism is the problem of the racist, and it is the problem of the society that produces the racist. And in today's world, that's every society. In America, that, that takes many forms. That's why the Biden administration had, has made racial equity a top priority across the entire government. And I'm making it a real focus of my tenure at the U.S. mission to the United Nations. But when I say racism is a problem in every society, that means looking beyond America's borders, too. I'm going to take a brief break, and when we come back, I'd like to get your men's opinions on that double talk that I just heard. <laughs> you can get involved in the conversation by down 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with our guest this evening, activist, organizing international chair of the, excuse me, I'm sorry, try to cue this commercial up, international chair the Tribunal Coordinating Committee Chair, Brother Jihad Abdul-Mumit. We'll be right back. Oh, no, we won't. Uh, I got the wrong thing queued up. Richard. Yes. Uh, but before, before we go to our break, because uh, I got the wrong commercial queued up, uh, give me a little feedback on what you just heard. I don't even really want to touch it because uh, – <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, knowing that they will do this, um, I think it's important for us to focus on what our, as Brother Jihad said, what our movement and our intentionality, our strategic, I mean, intentionality is. Oh, I listen, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. 
Yeah. The only, re- the only, re- what they're doing, United States is doing, is trying to create with black folks, their black folks, a way to say, um, see how we have overcome. Yeah. See that, but uh, Richard, the only, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. The only reason I'm bringing this up because some of our people might not see that. They'll see Linda Thomas Greenfield, Susan Rice, whoever, Barack Obama, whoever, and look at them like they're some type of icons or something to aspire to when they don't realize that those people are being used and a lot of them are willing participants. So that's the, I, that's the only reason I'm trying to point that out. I understand. Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we, listen, we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, by down 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumi.tv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. 
Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, the only word you need to know to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, 
civil rights issue are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 825 here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and international tribunal committee chair, Brother Jihad Abdul-Mumit. The case of black, brown, and indigenous peoples charging human rights and genocide against the United States, which was conducted in October of this year. You can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215 490 32, that's 215 Let's go to the phones in 267. 267. Hey, uh, good evening, Elliot. Good evening, Richard. I want to say good evening to your guests. How are you, um, All right, I'm fine. Um, I, you know, at first when I saw the notice went out tonight about tonight's program, and I have to apologize for my prejudgment i said not another program on uh reparations and us asking our open enemy to find some kind of moral guilt to give it to us but after listening to this brother i said me and him are on the same wavelength i said uh, i'm liking everything this brother is saying um i want to thank him again for explaining what a tribunal is because I myself did not know, you know, I've heard the word tossed around in the Pan-African community, but I do not know. And me and, you know, and, and a lot of my um, judgments or prejudgments come from other grassroots groups that I have uh, participated with in the past, uh, where I like what the brother said, no big eyes. No celebrities, none of that garbage. 
because I've seen some promising grassroots groups be destroyed by ego. I mean, very promising, only to be let down by some human imperfection or ego. So when I started hearing the thing about juries being uh, bought up, I quickly agreed with that because what I hope for, and this is just my hope and my dream and my vision, that one day we could have a collective and start funding for some of our, you know, our young people to produce our own Benjamin Crumps instead of seeing this clown go around the country so-called representing us. We have a person of like mind who's full of energy that will go from, you know, locally, like Richard was saying, we, 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 we build these things locally, fund these things locally, because, you know, our young people have to eat too. So we got to fund them, build a coalition, and, and, and have 12 people locally to set out some guidelines so we can go on ahead and do this, man, because we don't have no time to waste. I mean, talk is great. But I hear what this brother is saying. I hear what he's doing. He's already put it into action. And I am I just wanted to call in and say I'm in total agreement with him. Um, and I would like to get his information once, you know, uh, you're off the air tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I, and, 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 we, and I agree with him also. Everything that we have to do, we have to do outside of this so-called political football game, just like, brother Malcolm just talked about because that's all we are is political chumps for this person. You know, I heard the uh, tape you played Elliot with the sister talking, so-called sister talking the garbage about, you know, uh, racism. And, you know, the thing about it, I was looking up, Joe Biden has wrote 67 executive orders this year. And I wanted to see how many of those executive orders were directed for us. And I went there and I looked up 14 zero, executive order 14050. Uh, and it was nothing but a farce. And it came out October the 19th, two weeks before this election. So I guess some of the black people, like that lady you just played on that tape, told them, you better show us something to get us to go out there and pull the lever for you one more time. So, you know, I know this is a battle. I know it's a battle for, uh, the, you know, my wife. My wife just became a nonpartisan after seeing I was an independent for so many years. I think once we have that mass movement out of that Democratic stronghold, oh, no. this thing's a possibility. But uh, did you say something, sir? Hello? No, no, good, good. Finish your comment. No, I, I, I was just saying. Once we show to ourselves, well, we first we have to prove to our people because, you know, like I said, I, I heard him when he said he lives in the same household with his son. I live in the mm-hmm. same household with my wife, and with my wife, she's seen that I was an independent for so many years. She probably didn't understand why, but after she's seen me say certain things, hear me talk about certain things, and point out certain things, it was a slow process, but she finally became an independent. After I showed her the harm under 
the, uh, you know, we got to show our people this stuff. And some of them will get angry at us when we're trying to wake them up and pull the slumber off their eyes. But I used to get tired of opening my refrigerator and seeing a Barack Obama magnet on there. But that was her mindset. And, you know, sooner or later, she understood exactly what I was talking about. That man meant us no good. He was just a person of hue that meant us no good. And, and, and like Brother Malcolm just said, treating us like a political football or just political chumps. That, that's basically all we are. So I just wanted to apologize to the brother because I thought it was another tiring program about asking this devil for reparations because only thing he has in store for us is more harm. So we better get ourselves together and start repairing ourselves and start, like you said, brother, like, you know, they're preparing for battle with each other and we're the grass. They're going to trample on us. So we better get, we better start repairing ourselves and our minds and getting our own house in order before we can even deal with anybody else. So I'm in total agreement with the brother. I would like more information on him. I like what he's saying. But like I said, being a, a participant in some of these grassroots groups and seeing you know how they faltered because of ego and human and, and human imperfection, man. You know it, it's a sad thing, but I believe his brother's on the right right wavelength when he said there's no big eyes or little U's or anything like that. We're all going to come in this thing and work together. So I'm just I just called in and said I'm in agreement with him. I apologize for the prejudgment, but that's just my experience. I mean my experience. So just called in to add my two cents. All right. Thank you for your contribution, Brother Jod. Yeah, much respect, my dear brother. Appreciate that comment, your honesty, and and, uh, and your thoughts on what's happening. So it's, uh, the information, though, uh, is uh, you can email if you want to be involved. This is for anybody. Spiritofmandela1 at gmail.com. Just introduce yourself and be put on the list of everything happening. Spiritofmandela1. Usually when you have a one or two after some, you know, you messed up your email first time. So. <laughs> All right, my brother. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your All call. Right. I'll be listening. Right. Let's go to 404 in Atlanta. 404? That's right. President accounted for. Hey, my brother, is that uh, Spirit of Mandela with the numeral one or the word one? Numeral one. All right, right on, right on, my brother. I, I, you, you right on the money, man. Elliot, y'all right on the money, right on schedule, man. Okay. And see, my brother, what, what, that's what I keep telling everybody. We are the leaders we are looking for. See, all them days gone by just one leader, we bush out there, and the enemy take them out. So we all be leaders, man. That's what the minister Farrakhan was talking about to me, man. Mars, he don't want to be worshipped. He trying to get one million more people like him, man. That, that's so my man, Ralph, I agree with him wholeheartedly, man. And, and we must bump this thing up. Okay, not even go to the United Nations, but go to the World Court and also the Galactic Federation. You know, that's the ancestors, Galactic Federation. All right. And after that, uh, God is in the Bible and damn is in the Bible. So go after that goddamn uh, Catholic Church, man. Okay. And one more thing to my brother Ralph is some just some more rams in the bush coming out, man. I'm talking to a young brother now, to one of my family members, man. Okay, he getting ready to get in the mix, man. Okay, so this is hey, hey, no fear, 
We got some new rams in the bush coming out, man. Ain't going to be no more payroll magicians yet. None of them. No more payroll magicians. No more double-O Negroes, man. Okay? The real soldiers speaking and standing up. And I got to give kudos to the last real soldier I saw fighting for his life was Ahmaud Arbery. That's a real soldier right there, man. I don't care what, hey, that's a real soldier, man. That young brother was a real soldier. And all he was doing, Elliot and Richard and my man, was going in them houses like I used to do before I became electrician. See how they wired up them houses, man. That's what he was doing, man. That brother was going to be an electrician, man. Okay, but I, I, it is what it is. And uh, I appreciate my brother. I appreciate it. I will be, uh, be in correspondence with you, my brother. I love it. I love it. And there's some more, more young brothers and sisters. They, they they getting ready to go ahead and get, and get this Jewish prudence thing, and we're going to kick this thing up. Because it's, it's in the book. I know y'all don't want to hear it. That's due to running 28. They got to pay us, man, and they go they will be punished, man. That's the law of the universe. But anyway, I don't want to talk too much. I, I, I'm going to fade on to black. And listen, man, I love y'all, Elliot, and my man Richard, and my man uh, 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 Jihad. I love y'all. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to Albuquerque, uh, 505, 505. Are you there? 505. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to, uh, North Carolina. Quasi, quasi. Can are you there? I, can I say one more thing, Elliot, real quick? Yeah, they, uh, go ahead. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I did the math, man. My brothers, I did the math. Okay. These devils made $30 million a year. All right, off of our ancestors, thirty million dollars a year, free labor. So by my calculation, is uh, if you go by uh, four hundred years, that's twelve trillion. If you go by five hundred years, they owe us fifteen trillion. Okay, that's mm. just the bottom line numbers, man. That's how much they owe us, minimum. And we want a gold bullion where our scientists check it out. Gold and diamonds and crypto. We don't want no yeah. paper and fiat yeah. money. Peace and blessings. I love y'all. Peace and blessings. Uh, 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 Brother Jihad, any comments before we go to our next call? No, I appreciate this. Yeah, this, this, even that, uh, this is, you know, just to say $30 million a year, you know, all of that just puts for listeners, you know, to, to, to see the scope and gravity of how we've been exploited. So I appreciate that, you know. You say, well, the brother, no, it's $27 million. You know, no, the point is that you, he's showing you, showing us, educating us how much, you know, our, our worth, our work and uh, labor was worth and how we've been exploited. So I appreciate that, brother. Let's go to uh, North Carolina. Uh, Quasi, are you there? Yes, sir. Brother Elliot and um, Brother Richard and, and to your guests, um, Brother Jihad, um, we I agree 100% with everything what you're saying, man. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear um, the double talk that the people do that you you try to entrust and put um, in a, in a position, but the way I see it and the way I feel about it, we have to bang the beast where we stand. You know, you brothers have one way, other brother have another way, but if we all work toward the same goal, we're gonna accomplish what we need to accomplish. So, you know, big up to you brothers and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you for your contribution. You. you know, Ellie, before you go, ahead, you go to no, no, college, go ahead. It's, it's something I wanted to, uh, I think is important, but it may not be. Brother Jihad, uh, Brother 
Um, you mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of times about the building is Senate. And I wanted to, um, can you, and that that is a part of the process from the tribunal to the UN, you know, um, United Nations, um, that, that gives the teeth. Can you um, elaborate a little more on what do you mean by building a Senate and how does a people assembly um, 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 fit into that in relationship to what we need to be doing um, as your as this is going through the process and how we can and how we are participating can be participating in doing that. Hopefully, uh, I'm yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah, heavy duty, excellent question, brother. Um, uh, briefly, uh, yeah, we we had several outcomes uh, calculated strategic outcomes as a result of this tribunal to make sure this doesn't end up on somebody's desk in the photo photo op. And then we have to pick up a baton again 50, 60 years later. So one of the things when we talk about self-determination and, and um, for ourselves as a people of color in this country, uh, we have to become, as uh, Comrade Jalil Mutakin says all the time, and I like to just to coin that phrase because it resonates and it's very simple to remember, is that we are our own liberators. So taking it to court. Uh, taking it to the United Nations, uh, General Assembly of the United States, uh, United Nations Human Rights Council, all these other trajectories are very important for different reasons. But the most profound outcome that we can do and the most challenging one is to begin to organize ourselves in a unified way. And what would that look like? Um, so this is uh, uh, Black United Front on steroids as such, you know, and it has to, it's going to look a little different because it involves other people at this level that we're talking about right now. And that's very important um, to dig ourselves out of the silo. So the the steps are basically this. Uh, Every month, and it probably increased in time, you know, we have a general meeting where people uh, get updates. This was leading up to the tribunal, so we're going to keep that same format. Anybody can tune in and get these updates. And then when they hear the committee reports, these committee reports, you know, are the actual workers behind and on the side and in the front and behind the scenes of the uh, of the tribunal now moving forward to be able to build toward this Senate, organizing people, explaining things, you know, getting them uh, networked in into the whole process. We say that we're going to be having our regional conferences throughout the United States, that they will be organized, announced, and advertised. Uh, We'll be having set agendas, uh, basically in the beginning, discussing, you know, what the general mission statement would be and what that would look like. Uh, Questions like who would be representing for how long um, we'll be talking about the sustainability of such a movement so that it doesn't putter out because of, for example, lack of finances or, or something of that nature. Now, what will be the legalities? What will be the lawyers behind it to make sure that we're exactly correct so they don't be coming at us like they did Marcus Garvey with some nonsense with the IRS or thing? You know, a lot of stuff is going on behind the scene, behind a potential movement of this magnitude. But how anybody listening right now can jump, if you haven't been involved, perfectly fine. You know, you want to be involved, you can, the, the quickest thing that you can do is just shoot 
the email to Spirit of Mandela One at Gmail and just give your name and you'll be put on a general list and you start receiving all the information of what I'm talking about in real time. What's the next this? What's the next that? And then you can pick and choose where you want to be. Uh, some you know the person may just want to work with media and design. Another person may want to really put their vision and creative juices to work because we need that creativity. This is a very complex uh, situation that we're in. It can't be just brushed away with with cliches and sayings as such, you know. But um, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, how to go about governance, you know, and influence influencing policy. Uh, this is what this is attempting to do. It is attempting to build an insulation, an insular layer of intelligent, uh, informed, local, common citizens and people, an informed public, if you will, an informed masses of people, to to, to establish an insular layer around our existence here in the United States, so that these mad dogs don't destroy us in their mayhem. You know how we can begin to influence policy, you know, and things in, in, in fundamental changes, and how we can populate uh, different areas of, of local government, starting there, for example, and to make sure that we can begin to slowly um, bring about fundamental changes in different areas that deal with food, clothing, and shelter, and the existence of this planet from climate control, access to medical care, and really bring ourselves up. It's going to give us um, a type of unified voice and access to profound resources that we don't have, that, that we haven't had for a long time, to get back into our communities, as we used to say in the Panther uh, Party, with our survival programs, how we're going to get our, our communities out of the dilapidated, drug-infested, disrespect to women, uh, drug <laughs> state that we're in and killing each other. And, you know, we're the only culture of people uh, that I, I'm, I'm familiar with. If there's anybody else, then it's fine. You know, but we're one of the only, I'd like to say only, culture of people that I can reflect on that's even develop music and songs and we put it out on, on social media, the medium, the contemporary medium that we use now and call our women bitches and have us, you know, um, just such demeaning, derogatory, shake your booty to it, dance, you know, smoke cigars and black and mild. And it is like, I mean, like when the world looks at us and we have a few activists out front and a few organizations out front doing the work of really trying to shine and, and bring about some sense of self-determination, they'll look behind us and they'll see this mass of people that is so ignorant, that is so apolitical. You know what Harriet Tubman said, you know, I freed 313 slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they only knew that they were slaves. You know, and that is definitely what we're looking at right now. You know, that's why that sister uh, that Elliot and Richard played earlier, the Linda Thomas, the name, I always get it mixed up on the hiking point, but um, mm -hmm. that's why they can put somebody up there like that. They have the narrative. What she said is, it, 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 it kind of addresses the, um, the narrative that we're up against. Yes. You know, and that's the narrative that, uh, that's why Elliot played it, to show this double talk is very effective. It's very afraid. I mean, people bought that. That's the narrative. That's, and that, when I go out, okay. my, I live in a working class neighborhood, and I see the manicured lawns of sisters and brothers trying to keep their things together, and then um, 
like a brother told me last year, just certain things that somebody may say to me, it makes me laugh because of how they don't understand. Like, yeah, you have a car, your wife has a car, your son has a car. I mean, like, you got I mean, what you complaining about? Every time I see you, you complaining. That's what he said. I said, oh, my God, it's crazy. I kind of laughed, but, you know, he's my neighbor, but I tried to explain to him off the back of our legacy of slavery, brother. You know, I am actually looks pretty good, but uh, if I was, my income was to stop right now, in four months, my family and I will be experiencing homelessness just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. We are working like slaves just to keep ourselves afloat. And uh, we, we're kept up with the modern day necessities, travel, transportation. Yes, indeed. You know, I cut my grass with a bootleg uh, lawnmower that's about 15 years old. And it looks good. Uh, you know, I take a uh, $5 broom from Walmart and sweep my porch. Yeah, we're looking pretty good, brother. But make no mistake about our oppression, man. You know, like Malcolm X said, you know, um, you know, pulling our teeth out and blood running all down our jaw, but because of the Novocaine, because of the illusion of progress, because of the trinkets that they dazzle in front of us, because of that new iPhone that you, you know, you spent your whole check on to get, you know, all these type of things make us, you know, not even recognize our, our own oppression. And there's more to life. And not only that, you know, the United States is an imperialist country. It is, it is a colonizer. We're a, we didn't even talk about that on this call, but the, the whole indictment that um, we didn't talk about this aspect, Elliot and Richard and Caller, the whole indictment, you know, is a condemnation of, and realization of the fact that we are colonized is colonialism. <laughs> and genocide is, is an instrument of colonialism. It keeps, you know, in killing a race of people in whole or in part. We are all in part because our labor is still needed. We're integrated that much in society, a lot through our own efforts, you know, but the in part continues to be, it's systemic, it's intentional, and it is real. And so, um, and the fact that we are able to enjoy it, the fact that we're, okay, oh, may I just say this comment? This is a mind blower. Mm-hmm. Because the United States is not a, 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 a underdeveloped country, uh, that faces destabilization under, you know, because of the next demonstration could overturn up bring a coup d'etat, whatever. It is very, comparatively speaking, in spite of this January 6th, it is pretty much more stable than the next country, than any country, actually. And that's because of the wealth. The wealth has been built on the back of slaves and the legacy of slaves. But now it's established. And one of the unique, and to me, I'll, I'll use the word fascinating aspects of the illusion of democracy is to allow us to be able to demonstrate and protest and call the the, the, the government pigs. And, I mean, they'll put up their frontline forces, but and at the end, Biden and all those people like that will be able to say, see how democratic our society is. You can get a joker like you had to get up there and talk like he's talking, and it's legal. It won't be legal if, if two things happen. It won't be legal pretty soon if the economy in this country starts to really falter, you know, and then if it becomes more destabilized, then it won't be legal anymore. And it won't be legal if we are very effective. So one of the two <laughs> things will both happen. And you can see how, how, how democratic this joint is when they haul you off to prison just because of what you said out of your mouth, let alone did anything. But right now it can, Dick Gregory had a, in his book, uh, I forget what book, Tell No Lies, whatever it was, long time ago, he said that, and then I'll shut up. He said that if you can liken the United States democracy to water in a condition of the United States boiling in a tea kettle on the stove, 
they have a little hole there that whistles when things get really hot. And that hole is important so that the tea kettle doesn't blow apart. You can you can blow all drain all the water out of there, or if it was a way to continue to uh, keep water in there, it would whistle and whistle and boil and boil and whistle and whistle all day long. Well, that hole in there is the illusion of democracy. We have the freedom under the First Amendment to exercise our voice, and then they can, even though conditions are not changing, they can flaunt that around the world, see how democratic it is. We can let Black Lives Matter, we can hit the streets, every once in a while gets out of control, every once in a while the police tear gas us, every once in a while they shoot us down. Yeah, but for the most part, for the most part, you know, they can boast and brag around the world how democratic this society is, that we can even get a chance to do this. And only in the United States you can do it, but that's only because of how stable the government is on the back of legacy of slavery. If that ever changes, all of that evaporates. You will not demonstrate. You'll be just like any other country that can't stand any social unrest, that cannot stand any criticism. You'll be like that, and you will be in a concentration camp. You will definitely be in jail. It only continues once again not to be redundant. It's because it is still, it is still, it is still stable enough to absorb, you know, our protests to absorb it and, and use it against us to say, see how, how it is you know, that the most militant of us protest, you know? And if you ever got under control, they will pluck you off and you'll end up in a concentration camp or a prison like we, all of us have through counterintelligence. You will be set up and framed. But until that time, you know, they'll let us go on. So that's a, that's a unique, set to me, a fascinating facet about a place called, and that's why that lady uh, that the brother, uh, Ellie, Linda Thomas Greenfield can get up there and say what she says, because if we're in a tea kettle, there's a hole strategically placed there to let it just boil and we can make some changes that are really not changes. And they have the microphone that they can tell the whole world about these changes. You and I and Elliot and Richard, we don't have the microphone that big. We can talk along with the listening audiences. We can catch up on it on another type of social media. They know that. It's limited, but it's on their radar. You're on their radar, and they're watching as they should be as they get paid to. But for now, you can still do that. I know I'm getting long with you. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just listening, brother. Uh, Brother Jahar, before we start winding things down, I I want you to kind of uh, give us again an outline of that uh, People's Assembly, as Richard was talking about, the uh, People's Senate. I think you worded it. Um, right. About right. people being involved in, in organizations and, and, and forming these things in your, in your own area where we can all be abreast of what's going on and be involved. Um, uh, the brother that called earlier, 267, right. uh, okay. talked about him, yeah, him being becoming active. So, just, yeah, just kind of clear that up. Brother talking about from 404, talking about the young person. These, this is a way that uh, we can become engaged yes. from where we are. Yes. Okay. The, okay. So um, we're going to roll out a template, you know, with a mission statement, a general mission statement. And we're going to organize in, in large cities across the country and in regions. And I use the word regions because some areas don't have necessarily large cities, but they are strategic and they will not be overlooked. You know, where we can begin to cultivate the idea based upon the mission statement, how we're going to build this, this Senate, how it's going to be represented. You know, we're going to, we have some basic principles of unity that we're going to apply and really to get uh, to educate and get uh, people across the United States, 
uh, to buy into the idea of having our own Senate. There's a lot to be talked about that because, you know, out of the woodwork, and I don't say that negatively, will come a whole lot of organization formation that's been around for a very long time. And they will want their input into that, I'm sure. You know, I don't want them to ignore what's happening. I want that input to see what that would look like. So this is really talking about governance and how can we begin to uh, govern our own affairs and how can we be able to share, re network ideas, share resources, come together to wealth influence. We can, we can determine who gets into office until we establish ourselves in another way where we don't even have to pay that no mind, but right mm -hmm. now you do. Okay. You do have to pay that in mind because, you know, people that don't vote, which is your prerogative not to, not, uh, that's a long conversation we're not to do. But locally, as Brother Cam, you said he was on the program this week, I'm sure he explained that very well, you know, um, you know how important it is locally to have the right people in. Because if, if you don't put the right attorney general in, for example, then, you know, you'll find more of your sisters and brothers in prison for lengthy sentences and the law will change and then we'll be on the back end begging a judge or paying an exorbitant amount of money to get people out of prison. You know, so it is important that we be in the right place at the right time with the right numbers and the right influence to determine who gets in office locally as we build on different other layers of our self-determination. So where someone can fit in to listeners, you know, the best place now so with the limited time that I explained, we'll be able to be on next Saturday, for that matter's call, and you'll be able to hear in just a little more, Elliot and Richard, a little more detail mm -hmm. on that call, what we're talking about. So the first thing that you can do to see what you can do in Philly and Los Angeles and Compton and, and Houston and Atlanta, the best thing to do is to tune in on those calls right now to see what's actually being rolled out because it's a little more elaborate than I'm trying to briefly just say it to make sure that I can just capture the general gist of it for you. But once again, you know, aside from taking it to court, that's a legal maneuver right there. You know, aside from taking it to the UN, that's a political maneuver right there, you know, with certain people involved with that. But our movement involving the masses of people for using that word, and I hope it's not burnt out in people's psyche, using the masses of people, here is the beginning of an opportunity you know, to organize on a different type of level and in a different type of way that we may have. And once again, Elliot and Richard, it's not asking anyone to abort, abandon, or negate their own organization, what they're doing. I salute that. We salute that. We're just asking that we chew bubblegum and walk at the same time, that you be able to lend your ear, your talent, your skill, your vision, your wisdom, your critique into what we're doing here, because it's only going to help all of us you know, to build that intelligent layer of society. How can you take your revolutionary acumen? How can you take your brilliance, your, your, your skills, your experience, and, and, and educate the people? That's what this is coming down to, and organize the people. That's a major challenge. And you know the old saying I say to that? Dare to struggle, dare to win. Let's see what that really means beyond what we've been doing with our own groups and even though it may have been for decades, we're holding it down. And I salute that, one trillion percent. Now it's time to embark on this trajectory to see how this can work. Brother Be on Hutt. that call Saturday. Brother yes. Hutt, uh, yes. listen, thanks for your work. And and, and uh, send me out the information also because uh, – uh, you know, about how the people can hear more to be on the call. And plus, you know, the door is open so you can come on uh, and give us updates on what's going on. Because, we'll, uh, you know, once the papers come out, the official paper, then, uh, 
you know, uh, the listening audience would love to know uh, what's going on. If they haven't been involved, oh, yeah, right. uh, right. they can mm-hmm. get involved. So the door is open. Which I didn't say that official paper. I said they're filing into court, United Nations. I've, I've neglected to say the State Department. That will be hand-delivered to Joe Biden's office. Yeah. Here we go. And it will be very. It will be a very public affair, the best that we can make it. Good. Okay. All right. Governance is the key. Um, it has been, you know, um, it, it, it is and it will be. Because if we don't, as you say, we're going to get more of the same unless we do self-governance. And and I really, um, once again, you know, like Elliot, you know, really um, because of, <laughs> even though, it, you know, Mike said, when you were younger, you recognized what the national interest was and was willing to make that commitment. A lot of us didn't, you know, um, and therefore we have to acknowledge the work you did then and the work you're doing now um, for the for the for that explicit purpose of not just making us a colony under someone, but a nation unto ourselves that can be able to righteously govern ourselves in a global world of African people. Definitely so. Brother Zahad, thanks for being with us, and I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you, Elliot and Richard. Thank you for giving me so much time to explain uh, to the extent I was. I, I really value and appreciate that, and you have my number. We'll talk. Thank you, brother. Peace, brother. Peace, everyone. Richard. Yes. Interesting conversation. Uh, You know, I'm just glad that when we have these brothers and sisters on, that they always kind of get around to almost saying the same things, Richard. Mm -hmm. About the need for us to organize, the need for Mm -hmm. us to organize locally the need for us to take control of our environments and that's politically, socially, everything. We need Mm -hmm. to take control of our lives and we can do it. That's the thing. We can do this. We don't have to listen to these narratives and, and, and and listen, if we didn't, if we wasn't getting a reaction out of these people, then you know, you ain't doing much. Right. But you getting a reaction out of these people, you know, They've already been in contact, and that's why I kind of reiterated it. They had already been in contact with those envoys from the UN on racism and human rights abuses. Mm -hmm. They had already reached out to them, but then the United States jump in front and invite them to the White House so they can go through the whole spiel about what they're doing in reference to their black folks. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he basically said it in a statement. Uh, and I'll read it again, uh, to, uh, to address racism directed at Africans and people of African descent. And then they sent other people out with all types of narratives to black directed events, similar to NAND convention or others. I didn't see any others that they address that mm-hmm. NAND convention and give a spiel about, I grew up, uh, my grandmother was a slave and, and I faced racism and all that little stuff, but it's not the fault of the. Uh, I, it's not the fault of of the of the of those. It's not the fault of the racists. 
it's not the fault of who who have been um the racism has been affected. It's the fault of the racism. The racist. Yeah, but come on, Richard. Listen, if I sit there and let this stuff keep happening, it's my fault. Mm. Because we already know what's coming from the other end. Those people don't seem to be changing. They haven't mm. changed. So if I keep on uh, 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 fighting the same battle every generation after generation, don't make any different plans, have uh, have leadership that don't have no plan B, C. These people, listen, I was listening to a program today on terrestrial radio. A local politician was on there. Now, he had a doctor on there in the beginning talking about getting booster shots. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, he was talking about those trials that's going on. Mm-hmm. And he said that the, um, and it was a local state representative, he said, this is the reason why we need uh, judges. We need to go to the polls. We need to do this and that. The same spiel. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, Richard, now listen, as a representative, as a leader among the people that have appointed you, it's incumbent to a leader to have a plan. And, and wait, wait a minute. And not his plan. A plan that comes from a collective similar to mm-hmm. what Brother Jihad was talking about. Right. That the collective has a plan. You're the one that they choose to enact that plan. But you also have a plan B, mm-hmm. a plan C, and sometimes mm-hmm. a plan D if mm-hmm. A doesn't work. But the people that we have appointed, but they've been, you, and you can see clearly that they, they, somebody else directs their steps. You might vote for them, but somebody else directs their steps. That they don't have a plan B, C, or D. It's the and same they thing. They're telling nobody. <laughs> Let's say that again. I'm sorry. If they do, they're not telling nobody. Okay. Okay. Which doesn't make sense in itself either. But <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's no backup plans. It's the same thing. And if you fail, it's because you didn't vote. Uh, you didn't get the Democratic Party in. You didn't pull the, the big lever or whatever. It's the same thing if something falls down you get blamed for the same reasons instead of coming up with a different plan, a different approach, something different, something that the young people can really be involved in, sink their teeth into, and they don't get distracted by all types of junk going on now. Believe me, this system has a lot of distractions for our people and they get caught up. No lie. No lie. Richard, before we uh, start winding things down, give me, I want to share this. Uh, and hey, I always like to find things to point out the contradictions, you know, so our people can really see, you know, what's going on. And uh, I'm no smarter than nobody else. They, uh, I, all our people, they read things. They see what's going on. Let me, let me share this here. This was from a published report. Um, hold on a second. And uh, a couple of these things is a little dated. It happened this year. But I just want the people to kind of look at look at this from another angle. <clears throat> it says, uh, Joe Biden on Friday chose Dr. Robert Califf, a former Food and Drug Administration commissioner and prominent medical researcher, 
to again lead the powerful uh, FDA, regulatory agency. Uh, he used to be in that position under Barack Obama in his second term. And before that, uh, he spent more than 35 years as a researcher at Duke University, where he helped design studies for many of the world's biggest drug makers. Uh, it says, Akela faced some concerns over his drug industry connections in 2016, but he was ultimately confirmed overwhelmingly 89 to four by the Senate. Now, uh, it says uh, here, this, the powerful pharmaceutical and medical device lobbying groups issued strong statements in support of Caleb as he did, as did a number of physicians and patient groups. Caleb has worked Caliph has worked as a consultant for major drug makers, including Eli Lilly, Merrick, and he sits on the board of two smaller biotech companies. Federal ethics rules do not require government officials to sell all their investments, but they must recuse themselves from matters that could affect their investments. As a part of the vetting process, FDA nominees typically disclose all uh, disclose and sell stocks funds and other investments that could pose a financial conflict of interest. Now you can choose to believe that part if you want, Hmm. but let me uh, throw this in there. This is from a separate published report. It says, Dr. Caleb has a long history of playing politics and defanging regulators on behalf of the medical industry. He has literally seen, he was literally seen by close observers as too linked to the pharmaceutical industry to be an FDA commissioner during the Obama administration. Before the Obama administration, he ran a regulatory consulting firm for healthcare companies looking to influence FDA decisions. Regulatory consulting in DC speaks for shadow lobbying activity which just barely skirts the legal definition of lobbying and thus doesn't need to be disclosed in detail. Uh, This is a, he defended Merrick when it came under fire uh, for Vioxx, a painkiller which reportedly caused 88,000 heart attacks a problem which it appears that Merrick should have known about, but uh, marketed Vioxx anyway. Caliph also played a key role in a Duke drug trial of the blood thinner, uh, Zarelto. He supported the drug despite medical experts' objections to Zarelto's approval and 379 subsequent deaths. All this prompted severe pushback for his nomination in 2016. Uh, Unsurprisingly, both Merrick and Johnson & Johnson, who manufactured Zarelto, funded the Science Institute Caleb ran at Duke University. So (laughs) you got... He all connected. Exactly. And you got somebody now that's going to be in charge of the FDA 
that'll basically give carte blanche to any of these drug manufacturers and then tell your doctors, your black doctors and whoever. See, I ain't concerned about what they tell their own. But they'll tell all your black doctors that all these medications are safe. Tell your community to come get shots, boosters, uh, uh, pricks, whatever you want to use. But it shows you that it's dollars involved. That's all it's concerned. They're not concerned about lives necessarily saving any lives. It's saving money, making more money, dollars. That's all what it's about. So here you got somebody that's appointed that had a clouded history of pushing drugs or, or giving okay to drugs that had been. To, uh, listen, I'll read it again. It says Caleb defended Merrick when it came under fire for Vioxx, a painkiller which reportedly caused 88,000 heart attacks, a problem which appears that Merrick should have known about but marketed Vioxx anyway, and he helped. Caleb also played a key role in the Duke drug trial of the blood thinner Zarelto. You see all these commercials on TV for Vioxx and Zarelto. He supported the drug despite medical experts' objections to Zarelto's approval and 379 subsequent deaths. So you got somebody that's tied in with all of these drug companies. That's the head of the FDA. So when you see stuff about oh, they're waiting for approval by the FDA, it could come any day, and all this other stuff for all types of drugs to stick in your children, to stick in your parents. To do it. Listen, adult can do whatever they want to do. It's up to them. They could take 10 shots if they want. But black people ought to consider, really consider, have some family sit-downs before they uh, subject their children to these type of medical experiments. And they're gathering data every day, and you're the data. Mm. These shots that they're giving out, that's the data that's being, that's the scientific uh, uh, information that's being compiled as we speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing that out there. When you see these people, that, that, you know, this guy appointed to this position by Biden and all, that got heavy ties. And, and notice, he wasn't alone. He's reappointing them because he was in that position under Obama. Now, if you remember, what's the uh, the big thing that when you criticize Obama, what's the big thing that black people kind of parrot out there, Richard, that he did? No, I can't remember that. Well, the, the, the uh, um, you know, the, uh, where's, where's Brother Otis when I need him? When, when he's already in here, I mean, you know, when uh, the, uh, the the medical care, what is that? Obamacare. Obamacare, right. But you can see why, if, you, if this guy had connections with them, you can see why that Obamacare, because that means billions of dollars for drug makers. Mm. Managed care and other things. So, I mean, it's something to consider when you see these people. These people ain't, uh, you, they're getting these positions. Do a little homework. You'll see what's going on. And then look at some of your folks, your representatives, that uh, when these, these names is put in front of them, they just vote uh, bipartisan. It's bipartisan agreement on a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. 
According to this published report, more than two-thirds of Congress cashed big pharma checks last year. Mm. 72 senators and 320 members of the House of Representatives cashed checks from the pharmaceutical industries. Totaling over $14 million. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's money being paid, shuffled around. It, that's what it's all about. Mm. There you go. Yeah, just uh, at our expense. Yeah, just, our, with our data. Yeah, so, well, yeah, we'll move forward with some of these other uh, things on tap that's uh, coming down the pike. I did want to... Uh, let the listening audience know because I keep mentioning about the BB uh, products on the website, and um, and they're not right now. That because um, I'm changing a lot of the format on the site, so the products from a BB and all will be up up there again soon. I know I keep saying it at the beginning of the program that people can go in there and check out the products, uh, some of the uh, the classes and things like that, and they'll be back up on the website soon. I just want to uh, uh, make mention of that. Uh, Richard, uh, we're coming down the pike. There, anything you want to mention before we kind of wind it down? No, no, not now. I'm, I'm just a, uh, you know, appreciative that, um, you know, the brothers that are that gave their energy and lives and whatever are still showing us, because there's some discussion, you know, that, that these brothers they 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 that they're not there, you know, and I just hope that we get to see that now is the time to really pick up that pick up that load again and, uh, you know, pull this governance mechanism together. Um, and this time with the sustainability in mind, but um, just waiting, I'm, that was a good conversation. So I'm glad that we uh, was able to have them. And I have to thank, uh, what's his, uh, Brother Wes, I might not get to Atlanta. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate the, the shout out. And you know, I, I don't know whether uh, Brother Zaneb and uh, and Brother Rob Bourne was listening because you know when he was talking, because I didn't know that uh, uh, that Brother Jihad uh, was a political prisoner, right? And I didn't know his background. I you know I knew he was an organizer, but I didn't I didn't know his background. Uh, right. I just hope those two brothers were listening, especially Brother Rob Bourne, because right. he mentioned about his experience in there and. Um, I think he said that he was in there with a political prisoner right? and yeah. the things that the man told him and how he is kind of discouraged about what's going on out here. But, uh, you know, if he, if he listened to brother Jihad tonight, maybe that'll give him some strength, you know, just, uh, just a little yeah. food for thought. I was, I hope that they were listening tonight. They not, if they wasn't, I'll be able to pass it on. Hopefully. Good. Uh, before we leave this evening, let me give the lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and guests uh, on African Perspectives. I think Brother Oshi's a good friend passed away. I think he'll be back with live broadcasting on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, if he wasn't back Friday. But uh, just tune in Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives. Later on Monday evening, from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban. And then uh, from 9 to 10, 
uh, every first and third Monday of the month conversation reparations, which is in Cobra's program program with host brother Jamoke on Tuesday from eight to 10 PM black reality think tank with Dr. William Rogers on Wednesday. It's our time to black farmers cooperative, the West Georgia black farmers cooperative uh, from eight to nine and from nine to 10, the black agenda project with Dr. David Muhammad. That's on Wednesday evening on Friday time for awakening is back from eight until on Saturday, the elders of Sankofa from seven to nine. And then on Sunday, time for an awakening is back from seven until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Children. To save the children. 